Good morning, Westside. My name is Melissa Legree, and I am the Kids Ministry Director here at Westside Family Church, and I get the privilege on Sunday mornings to spend time with your kids um, in early childhood, so age zero to kindergarten, and then upstairs in grade school from first grade to fifth grade. And you know, I found a lot of times when I hang out with kids, it makes me think about what it was like when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, from the age of about 9 to 15, I loved basketball. I loved playing basketball. I loved practicing basketball, practicing my dribbling skills and my shooting skills and my boxing out skills. I loved watching basketball, specifically KU men's basketball, as well as the Tennessee Lady Bulls. I followed them through magazines and newspapers, and I watched documentaries about them. I was fascinated with Pat Summit, and I thought, that's my goal. One day in my life, I'm going to go and play collegiate basketball for Pat Summit and the University of Tennessee. Now, I don't know if I wanted to do that because I was good at basketball, or because my favorite color was orange, or because I really just wanted to sing good old Rocky Top. But that is what I aspire to do. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And from elementary school through middle school, I was tall. So I was taller than all of the girls on the basketball team and most of the boys. So I was tall and I was aggressive. Like I had five fouls, I was gonna use all five, right? <laughs> so being tall and aggressive is basically all I needed to be in the category of athletic. And I started to form this identity for myself that I am a basketball player. I am a bala shakala. <laughs> and that is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And you know, the, my favorite part of basketball was preparing for the game. It's a lot like preparing for battle. And that's why I'm so excited that we are in this series called Battle for Our Kids. A couple weeks ago, we were given the opportunity to take part in prayer and in fasting. And we had the option of one day of prayer and fasting, seven days of prayer and fasting, or 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I took the 21. It's like challenge accepted. And I gave up my favorite thing, which is coffee specifically pumpkin spice latte that came out on Thursday. I had to like turn off my Instagram feed because I just kept seeing the pumpkin that showed the date that it was coming out. So to say that it's been hard is an understatement. I really feel bad for my kid ministry team because I have been literally on the edge, okay? And it has been um, a weakness of mine, but you know, I am going to persevere. So in my moments of weakness, I have been praying a lot. And my prayer has been that God would use our church for healing and to reveal ways in which I can help in this battle for our kids. You know, the unshakable initiative has been something we've been in for the last year, and our goal from the beginning has been to find ways to help our community that's hurting and to help people in their point of pain. 
And I want to invite you, if you are just hearing about this journey, to visit the Unshakable Table out in the Connection Center to learn more about it. But if you have been a part of this journey for the last year, I just want to encourage you to stay strong and to be intentional with what God has given you in your unshakable faith. Today's topic about girls and finding their identity is so important. Whether you are a parent of a young girl, whether you are a young girl yourself, or maybe you're just visiting for the first time, my prayer is that God would reveal a way to help you win this battle for our kids. Because make no mistake, this is a battle And the enemy, he never sleeps. But the good news is that we serve a God who never sleeps. In Psalm 121, it says, he who keeps you will not slumber. So I'd like to take a moment and pray to that God who never sleeps. Dear most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, as the song said earlier, I am who you say I am. And I just pray that today your your spirit would fill this room. You would enter our hearts and our minds and Lord, that we would start to believe that we are who you say we are, Lord. That our identity would be in you. I thank you for today and I pray these things in your most heavenly and precious name. Amen. All right, back to Melissa and basketball. There I was. I feel like all good stories start with there I was. There I was, the summer before my freshman year of high school, I'm going into basketball camp thinking, (laughs) got this, varsity, whoop. And I take a look around, and I'm no longer the tallest girl on the basketball court. I am no longer the most athletic girl in the gymnasium. And I think, uh uh-oh, am I going to become the best 5'9 center basketball player that Piper High School has ever seen, or do I want to take a different path? Do I want to look into some of those other interests that I have in life, some of those other things that I'm good at, and start to form my identity in a different way? At the age of 15, I had a decision to make. Was I going to shape my identity on what God said about me? Identity. What does that even mean? Well, I looked up some definitions and the one that I found was the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. And I think identity can be shaped by a myriad of things. It can be shaped by society. It can be shaped by how people perceive us. It can be shaped by our profession or what we're good at or what we have acquired. I think that identity is both personal and intimate, but identity can also be shaped by others. 
In regards to girls specifically, I read a book recently by Leonard Sachs called Girls on the Edge, and he states that there are factors in society today that are bringing up and driving this new crisis for girls, which is causing an increase in anxiety, an increase in depression, an increase in suicidal ideations, an increase in self-harm. And as I'm reading these factors, they include things like their sexual identity, Social media, the cyber bubble, and what kept coming to mind is the issue is not with social media, the issue is not with sexual identity, the issue is not with cyber bubbles, the issue is where our identity is lying. And if I can be quite transparent, I'm going to ask the adults in the room, what are we shaping our identity around? Most likely, we're shaping our identity around things of this world. We are allowing society to distinguish our character and shape our personality. And my friends, if we are following the teachings of Jesus, it says in Scripture that we are not citizens of this world, nor should we conform to it, but we are citizens of heaven. In Philippians 3.20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13.14, it says, For we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. And my absolute favorite, which is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think it's so important to stop for a moment and to discuss God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are created by God to glorify him, to do his work here on earth. We are here to use the attributes, the gifts, and the talents that he has put in us. What gifts and talents has God given you? It's so important to teach and to continue to remind young people that their gifts and their talents are not created for this world to gratify humans, but instead created by God and made to glorify God. I love this verse in Ephesians because it says, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. God prepared in advance. God has sent us to do not humans, not this world, not society. Girls, when you are allowing this world, society, popular culture, or your abilities to shape your identity, it will fail. Why? Because it is always changing. When girls are spending hours on social media looking at influencers and what they wear or how they look or what they do, how much better they are at something, this disillusionment will form that makes girls feel like they can't measure up. 
In Sachs' book, he talks about the direct correlation between technology time and the feeling of anxiety and depression. And we're not just talking about social media. When you get home from school and you go straight up to your room and you're looking at technology, not for homework, which I know that's what you say, not for homework, but to look at the world and, and what's going on there. Or if before school you're just looking at your phone, scrolling through it while you're waiting in the parking lot to go inside, or during that hour and 15 minutes of study time, you're just constantly scrolling on that. What is that doing to you? That's cutting off social interactions with other people. That's isolating yourself. That's not allowing you to interact with other people and letting them feed into you and teach you things. If you take a look at the graph up here, I found this on the Institute of Family Studies. It shows a direct correlation between depression and internet and social media use. Notice this graph is from 1991 to 2017. So we are literally living in a science experiment at this time. We do not know the long-term effects of excessive screen time and exposure to social media in young, adult, young adults and children. Social media has only been something that has skyrocketed in use over the last 10 years. So we do not have a clear view yet of the extensive damage that it will do. You know, I think a lot of times we like to categorize things as good and as bad or against us and for us. And I think a lot of times we put social media and internet use in the bad category or against us. And I think a lot of times we put academics and um, athletics in that good category. But let me tell you something, if you are putting your full identity in academics and if you are putting your full identity in athletics and not in Jesus Christ, it will too fail. Because you know what? If you put your identity in being a basketball player and then you tear your ACL and all of that goes away and it takes you a long time to build up to the potential that you once had, what are you going to do next? If you were the smartest girl in school and you studied really hard and you didn't have a social life because you wanted to be the best at that and then you go to college and someone is smarter than you or you go out to a job and someone's better than you, you are going to be left with the question, who am I? What do I do next? Where have you placed your identity? I think the best illustration that I can give of a girl who struggled with her identity is in the book of Mark, chapter 5. You have a woman who is unhealthy, who is sick, who had been bleeding for 12 years. In today's society, she wouldn't have followers on social media. She wouldn't have likes. She would be sitting at the lunch table by herself, not by choice. In society, during that time, she was deemed unclean. She was deemed untouchable, and I'm sure society's view for her is what she started to think about herself. And then Jesus comes. And he comes walking through the crowd and she thinks if I would just touch him, things would get better. And so she fights her way through the crowd and she touches his cloak and he turns and says, who touched me? And she falls at his feet and she says, it was me. 
And what does he do next? He calls her daughter. 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 Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, if I was introduced to someone by my parents and they said, this is our daughter, Melissa, there was this sense of pride that would be inside of me, this sense of love, this sense of belonging. And at that moment, the identity that society had put on this woman, the identity that she had put on herself was gone because Jesus called her daughter. A new identity had been given to her in Jesus Christ. Young women in the room, please listen. You want to know how to form an identity in Jesus Christ? An identity that is specific to who you are, an identity that was created before you were born, an identity that was created by our creator, you need to start by reading what God says about you. And I am not saying you need to read it before Sunday morning when you come to church because you want to feel spiritual. I'm not saying you only read it in times of need. I'm saying you need to read this and remind yourself every single day of who God says you are. Reading, listening, and seeing what God says in Scripture, that will help shape your identity in Jesus Christ. The second thing I want you to do, I want you to pray that God would reveal people in your life that are going to speak the same truths that are in this Scripture to you every day. Because make no mistake, there are plenty of distractions out there that are going to tell us that we are insignificant, that we aren't made by our Creator, that we are nothing And you need to pray that God would surround you with people that say, you are a daughter of the one true king. Because when I was younger, you know, I would go home and be upset about something that someone said to me, something that was mean, and it hurt. And my parents would tell me things like, Melissa, you are so smart. When you set a goal, Melissa, you reach those goals. Melissa, you are a leader. I mean, they tell me I was bossy, but I knew it meant that I was a leader. (laughs) They told me that I was a leader in my mind. But you know what I would do? I would brush it off. I'd say, you're my parents. You have to say things like that. And I would allow the hurt to have a stronger weight than the, the true things that were said about me. How many times... Do we say, God the Father, you have to say those things because you created me. I'm going to believe what everyone else has said instead. But you know, God did something for me that gave weight to what my parents were saying. He surrounded me with coaches and with teachers and with mentors and with good friends that would say the same things that my parents were saying. Adults in the room, Peers in the room, remind young women of the amazing qualities that they have and make them know that they are special. Make them know that they are set apart. Continually remind them of what God says about them. You might be thinking, okay, Melissa, I get it. But what does it look like for a girl to have their identity 
in Christ. Do you have a well-produced video to illustrate this? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> you know, two of the primary parts of our unshakable initiative is leaving an eternal legacy. And I think a lot of times people think of legacy and think it needs to be a biological legacy. But here at Westside, we believe in leaving a legacy for the next generation. And that might be through serving in students and kids' ministries. It might be being a part of um, a mentorship program at a school. And the other part is that we want every Westsider to be a part of a community. And I think that falls in line so well with our identity. It's going to be shaped by the people that are around us. Imagine a world where we are not defined by the likes that we have or by the amount of followers that we have or even the abilities. Imagine a world where we are defined by what God says about us. I can't imagine what a world like that would be like, but here is what I do know, that my life is measurably better when I put my trust 100% in Jesus Christ. So as you walked into the room, you might have picked up a card, and it says, Who am I? And what I want you to do is on the back of this card, it says words of affirmation and the scripture in which you can find them. Place this somewhere where you can read it to yourself, where you can read it to your children, where people can see it. But what I'd like to do today, I'd like to read these affirmations together. And I'd like to start with all of the young girls in the room to stand up. It's okay, it's safe. Now I would like all the women in the room to stand up because at some point in our lives, we were identified by what society said about us and it's exhausting. We can never measure up and I'm so sorry that that happened because I'm sure even today you are dealing with those struggles that have put, been labeled on you and been put on you. And now I would like all of the boys and the men in the room to please stand. Up on the screen, you are going to see words of affirmation. So what I'm going to do is say, who am I? And I would like you to read the affirmations that follow. Who am I? I am the creation of a loving God. Who am I? I was made to reflect the image of God. Who am I? I am adopted into God's family. Who am I? I've been created with a purpose. Who am I? I was chosen by God and I am special to him. And who am I? I am never alone. 